Welcome to this post-Mormon life. I'm Crystal. And I'm Haisu. We are two post-Mormon divorced single women. Doing our best and figuring it out as we go. Today we have a special show for you. This show will be presented in two parts. We will be visited by ghosts of past, present, and hopefully leave you with some advice for the future. Today I will be your guide as we visit Crystal's Ghosts of Boyfriend's Past. Ghosts come in many different forms, usually in the form of people from our past stories and memories. As with stories, there are many different perspectives, and we acknowledge that these accounts are from one point of view, and we understand that there are always two sides to each story. The ghosts that you're going to meet today are the ghost of ignorant bliss, ghost of post-divorce, and the ghost of not-so-distant past. Uh, first on the list is our ghost of ignorant bliss. This is a ghost, of course, from a time when we're Mormon and maybe it's just, you know, in the beginning stages of figuring out what we want from a partner and, of course, having our past uh, conditioning of what we've been taught of what we should find in a partner versus <laughs> what we really want. Yes. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if that's how you feel. That's how I feel in terms of ignorant bliss. Yeah, I feel like that's a good way to say it because the relationships that we had when we were in that stage of our life, it is very different than our other ghosts. What comes to mind in this stage for me was my college boyfriend. I thought that we were going to get married. We dated for, it was like a long time for Mormon standards, because if you don't know this, Mormons date for a very short amount of time and then they get married very fast. And then, you know, they're with this person for forever, or at least that's the goal, right? Like right. that's, yeah, that's the goal that they have in mind is to be, find somebody and be with them forever. And so, and when you know, you know, and get married young and you can grow together and have all these experiences together. So being raised in that culture, it was very, it wasn't uncommon to know somebody who, oh, you know, I just met this person and I'm, you know, we're engaged and we're getting married in like three months. And it's, and it's like, that's a normal thing, which, you know, now seems mind boggling. I would never, I would right. never do that now. It but. seems so fast looking back now, but in the moment, it just seems like, no, we're ready. We, we know each other so well because mm -hmm. of the spirit. Oh, yeah. Because I prayed about it. And I got an answer. Um, yeah. And I feel like, you know, when you are in the Mormon church and you're at that age, you're put in so many situations and circumstances where you are meeting a lot of people who could yeah. potentially become your significant other, your husband, because that's how it's that's, kind of yes. geared, you know, to be. Yes. Singles wards are geared to get people to get married. It's not, you are not meant to be single forever. It is you meet somebody and you fall in love and you listen to the spirit, or maybe you don't even fall in love, whatever. You listen to the spirit and you get married and you make a happy life because anyone that you are with, you can be happy with. It's kind of like how we were raised. So with that as the background coming into this, like my boyfriend that I had in college, I was, we dated for like five months, which again, is not a lot now, but in, at the time it was a long time. So I was sure, I was sure we were going to get married and that he and I were going to be together forever. Even though 
I thought that I loved him. There were obviously plenty of things that weren't ideal in the relationship. But at the time I was like, oh, well, it's okay because, you know, he loves God and he loves me. And also now that I'm thinking about it in hindsight, I legit don't know if he ever told me he loved me, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I, I really, I really thought we were going to get married and this is right. my young. Well, cause you have, you have those lists. I don't know if you ever made them, but you know, yes. when you go to young women's and you're sitting in your class, a lot of the lessons, you know, they ask you to pull out a piece of paper or pull out your journal and you're supposed to write down the qualities that you want in a future husband. Uh, Yes, I do. I do remember those lists. We made a lot of those lists. I actually have one of those lists tonight that I, I found amazing from my journals that I had, you know, as a child. Oh oh my God. Okay. (laughs) This is, (laughs) yes, this, this is the list. This is from September of 2002. Oh my gosh. So yeah. young. So, so young. shouldn't even be thinking about that. <laughs> no, I was, should not be thinking about like the person I was going to be with forever, but here I am writing a list. So here we go. And this again, keep in mind, I was very Mormon returned missionary a priesthood holder who honors it, loves kids, a good sense of humor, a graduate from college, good looking. And I have in parentheses, nice abs, cute dimples. And then I'm like, not a necessity, but would be nice. <laughs> Okay. Um, Loves me, loves and treats his mom well, enjoys to have fun, treats my family with respect, treats me like a queen, has a good voice, preferably a singer, isn't conceited, needs to be humble, has a strong testimony, listens to the prophet, loves to watch conference with me, not a quick temper, I don't want to ever be afraid of him, won't ever put on a face, in quotes there, likes nature, can cook a little, knows how to do laundry, never compromises my standards on anything, takes me to church every Sunday unless deathly ill, likes my friends, uses money wisely so we have enough, and lets me go and get massages. (laughs) That is my list. I have like, what was that? Like 26, 25 things. (laughs) a return missionary a return missionary (laughs) that's I mean that was a must for everything and for those of you who don't know what the priesthood is oh geez yeah a priesthood holder is one of like oh my gosh not the highest no because that's a Melchizedek is the highest but right yeah the priesthood is someone who holds the power to like bless yeah bless people and they have the power of God and they have to be worthy to have that like, and by worthy meaning like obeying all the commandments. Right. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but also like there were some good things on there. So yeah. my question to you, was this, um, you know, this ghost of ignorant bliss, did he check off all of the marks from that list? You know, I, I feel like he checked off a good portion of them, which was great. Of course he hit all of the Mormon things. Like he was very Mormon, um, really great. He loved music. He was a piano player. And I like, that was something that we enjoyed doing. Like, I just loved to sit and listen to him play the piano. And, you know, so that was like something we would do. Like music was a part of our like dating courtship thing. We would like listen to music in his truck and it was. Wait, did you guys ever sing hymns together? 
Of course we did. Of course did we did. You like, har- wait, did you harmonize? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Although, like, I mean, truth be told, like, I, he wasn't so much a singer, like, as, like, you know, he could play I the piano, see. but, like, he could hold a tune, but. Did you guys pray together? Only, like, when we were, like, at ward functions, eating, okay. you know, like. So not, like, alone No, together. no. That wasn't a thing that we did, um. Yeah, no, that's not that's not a thing okay. we did. We were also in the same ward, so like we went to church together, which is also something that was um, a struggle after we broke up because I still ha- we still had to go to church, and then like everybody knew that we weren't together, and it was this big thing, and it just felt like I had it felt like I had this like giant sign like over my head that was like not good enough. They broke up, and just like. I just, that's how it felt being in a single oh word after a breakup. So what would you say was like your guys's high point in this relationship? I think we had a lot of fun together, but we also encouraged each other to, um, you know, be very, like we were very studious. We spent a lot of time in the library on campus and like focusing on our classes and, you know, honestly, we were just, we were trying to do our best and like educate ourselves. And so I feel like that was something that we were really good at. Like I didn't resent his time that he was studying. He didn't resent my time. It was, oh, well, obviously this is important. It's a priority. And so that was, I don't know. So I feel like we were able to complement each other as we were learning and growing, which I guess is why Mormons often want you to get married and be together so young because then you learn and grow together and it's, it's this whole thing, but right. An interesting tidbit about this relationship. I was his first kiss. And that sounds about right though. I mean, I mean, I was, I was 18. Like it, you know, we were young and he was a little older than me because again, he had served a mission. So he, at that time, missionaries went out when they were, what, when did they leave? 19. And then they came back when they were 21. So he was like older and I, it didn't bother me that he hadn't been kissed because I also didn't kiss anybody until he went to college. So I was like, oh, like that's not a big deal. Whereas I feel like a lot of people were, you know, like when it's your first kiss and you haven't done it and you just assume everybody else has already kissed somebody, it can be a little intimidating. Yeah. The pressure, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I I just, anyway, I was his first kiss and it was great. Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) Were you guys pretty good about being like on the safe side of like kissing and all that? Because in the Mormon church, right, we know that like we can't do any of the heavy petting. We can't do (laughs) anything more than just simple kissing and hand holding. And that can be hard. Oh, it can be super hard. I, I feel like, so we spent a lot of time making out and Mm -hmm. It was so fun, super enjoyed that. And we never, like, honestly, it wasn't, we were both so aware that we weren't going to cross those boundaries that we we didn't, but we really enjoyed making out with each other for like a very long time. <laughs> and That's nice. There were multiple times when we were in his truck making out and it was like, obviously like winter cold. And so like the the windows had gotten all steamy and foggy and like Titanic. my roommates, ah. yeah, my, you know, my hand on the window. No, my roommates were like, OMG, like what's happening over here? They would always give me, like tease me about it. But 
that's another aspect. But it's so innocent. Like if you were so innocent outside of the Mormon church, like people would be like, that's not making out. That's just kissing. Right. <laughs> but like, of course, to us, it's making out because right. it's prolonged that's, kissing. Right. And I mean, it wasn't like entirely innocent, but it wasn't like. Yes. It's nothing that I would be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of it. But <laughs> but at the time, there were things like that I was like, okay, we have to be very careful. We can't do this. We can't do that. You know. Of course, right? Whatever. And I think that's something that's good is like having those boundaries, which I'm glad. Like yeah. the Mormon church teaches boundaries. I think that's huge. But um, I mean, I don't know if they actually teach boundaries in many aspects, but in like as far as like sexuality, they do teach okay, like, don't, you know, you don't want to be a line. Yeah. Like, don't, don't be having sex with everybody. Like, I mean, they, or they at all, you, uh, right. Like they teach you to uh, no sex at all. until No sex until you're married. Sense. Yes. So yeah, I feel like that's kind of like a, a different take of like dating yeah. back then that I, I'm happy I don't have to so, deal with that now. This ghost that's ignorant list sounds lovely. So what eventually, like, what were the events or how did it all kind of come apart? I was, again, I was totally in this ignorant bliss state. Like I, again, thought we were going to get married and we had just been, um, it had just been like around Christmas break, but like neither, the funny thing is like, we just like went you know, he went home for Christmas. I went home for Christmas. We didn't meet each other's families. You know, it wasn't, that's not where we were at, but in my head, I was like, okay, like, you know, we're going to get married eventually. And it's like, not a big deal. And then it was like, oh, I think it was a couple months after that, like when we got back and he was acting different, like after Christmas. And I was like, what is going on? I don't, I don't know what's happening. Like, you know, what's changed, blah, 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 whatever. But I was also like, well, you know, it's, it was stressful. Like finals were stressful. And now here we are in a new semester and we're new classes and new things. And so I wasn't, I was justifying, I guess, like how things were, were not going, but um, we had spent this whole day together, like hanging out with our, like our friends, like his roommates, we were doing things. I think we watched a movie and like, but I felt it's kind of like felt there was like a weird energy, but I was like, I don't know what's happening. But at the same time, I was just rolling with it. And then he was like that night, he was like, let's go for a walk. And so we went for a walk in the snow. It was like midnight, which again, like Mormons have curfews at BYU. And so, you know, it was like, it was like, you know, if you're out, it's not a big deal, but you can't be inside somebody's apartment. So we were out walking around in the snow and he was, it was very sweet, but he was just like, if I'm not going to marry you, I can't date you. And I don't think I'm going to marry you. And I was like, but like, why can't we get married? And he was like, it's, I don't feel like it's right. And it was this whole thing. And I was like, but I don't understand what's happening. And yeah. he's like so sweet about it. He just, it just wasn't right. And so anyway, I, you know, he walked me back home. I cried, of course. Yeah. And yeah. It's your first. Yeah. It was like my first, cause this is my first boyfriend ever. And seriously, it was just, I cried. And so I walked, I walked home. He walked me home and um, I'm pretty sure he like gave me a hug and I went inside and then I got changed in my pajamas and I crawled into my roommate's bed and I just sobbed. And it was like the saddest, like, 
so like, I was just like, and she's like, oh no, what's wrong? Like what happened? And I was just like crying. I was like, we're over. And she was like, oh no. So it was, it was a very rough for me. Like it was a very, it was a, it was my first real heartbreak. And at this, at the time I didn't understand like why it had to be that way. But now like looking back and even like a few months in, I was like, like after, like post breakup, I realized we were not right for each other. We wouldn't have been happy together. There was, you know, lots of things that we just didn't jive on. And he did us a favor. He did me a favor by being strong enough to be like, I know we have a lot of pressure to get married because that's what our culture is pushing us towards. But no, this is not what, yeah. this is not what we're going to do. Right. Can you imagine if he didn't listen to his gut instinct and was like, yep, we're going to get married. I mean, you, I mean, your whole life, right. Could have been totally different. Oh, it would have been dramatically different. And yeah, no. So I, I am actually very glad that he listened to his intuition and didn't just be like, well, all right, we're getting married. Right. I think this sounds like a very lovely first relationship. Like it's still <laughs> so pure and good and like, you know, like learning, it's just growing and yeah, I don't know sounds like a good first experience to have in terms of like the road to dating and relationships. Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to have somebody break your heart, it's, it's, it was good to have it be by a kind person, I guess. Right. Okay. If there's anything that you would say that you learned or like this experience in the time, and I know we've talked about some of these things, but something that it taught you, what would you say? It taught me to be, um, open to other people's intuition as well as my own because like I it it really taught me to like respect that from his perspective he was like this isn't right and so even though in my heart I like you know in my I wanted it to be right and I wanted it to work but also like deep down I also knew it wasn't because he was able to like say hey this isn't working I was able to respect that. And I think that that's actually really important when um, in relationships now is to other people's, to acknowledge other people's perspective and their intuition and, but also like stick to your own as well. Yeah. When, cause it's, and that's the hardest way to break up is when you feel like it's working, it's working, it's working, but the other person it's not. And it's so hard to be like, okay, we have to part ways because even though it's working for me, like I, I can't date someone who it's not working for them. Right. And it's valuing yourself and your worth. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Not, not settling. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now on to another ghost. All right. The, bring ghost, it. the ghost of post divorce. Obviously this ghost is a little more self-explanatory and it can be hard because I feel like this ghost is a transitional ghost where yeah. there's so much change. You've gone from major commitment, you know, these, ideals of longevity and forever and then all of a sudden rediscovering oneself and rediscovering you know another side of you not only post-divorce but I mean in in our cases I mean post-Mormon right post-Mormon yeah post-divorce yeah it's it's a lot and I feel like it's such a sensitive time but it's also a a really exciting time of Mm -hmm. you know of discovery So speaking of that now, when you had, you know, finally gotten divorced or separated, even 
how did you even go about dating? Like, what did you, where did you even launch off from? I feel like when I got married there, this was, I got married before dating apps were a thing before online dating was a thing, or at least like mainstream, you know, it wasn't well known, but then obviously like post-divorce, that's how everybody was meeting was online with these dating apps. And I, it was so intimidating to just jump into that and to be like, I have been out of the dating world for like eight years, seven years, whatever, however long it was. <laughs> and now, and now I have to jump in to this dating scene and I don't know what to do. So because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in college, I wasn't around people who were my age and who were single. I wasn't in the Mormon community. I wasn't in the singles ward. It wasn't there. None of those things. Right. It's like you lose your community. You lose that sense of safety. And on top of that, it's a whole new playing game. I mean, I feel like that we knew about match.com, but then it's like, Oh, there's other websites. And I don't even think at this time, at least when I got divorced, there wasn't even apps quite yet. It was all online web browsing. Yes. Or I mean, like maybe there was, Maybe there were apps. Now I'm thinking about it, but I think it was a browser. Like I think it was on your phone, but like had to be via the browser. So whatever, it was this whole new world. And I, with the, so the ghost of my post-divorce, I, I met him on OkCupid. And at the time I, I thought after my divorce, I was going to just, I was going to dive in and I wanted a relationship. And I was like, I'm going to be married within a year. Like that is legit what I thought, which again, <laughs> looking back is a little crazy, but that's just, that's what I thought because what I want that I thought that's what I wanted. So that's how I approached this dating season, I guess, is that I wanted a relationship um, or I wanted to be with somebody who wanted a relationship. And so with this ghost, we met on OkCupid and we started messaging, like he messaged me and I was like, oh, like that's like a thoughtful thing. So like I responded and then we were messaging back and forth. Something happened that had never happened that I've never done before. Our conversation kind of like slipped into sexting and Ooh. I had never sexted before because in my marriage, that wasn't a thing that we did or that it just, it just kind of seemed like, well, why? Like we're married, we're together, we're together like all the time. He worked from home. So honestly, like I just didn't feel like something that we like needed to do in our marriage. And okay, here I am like post-divorce and I'm like sexting this guy. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this, but like, I like it. I'm not mad about it. And you know, it was like fun and it was exciting. And I was excited to be in the dating world where sex wasn't off the table because again, you know, in before, before I got married, I was dating with, like I just said, like sex was not an option. That's not right. It wasn't scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It was scary. It was like, and could be bad and cause you to have to have repentance. And now it's like this fun thing, right? Right. So that's exciting. It was, it was super exciting. So we, I sexted this guy before we ever even met in person. 
which seems so like, oh, scandalous. Like I haven't yes. even met him. And yet we've been like talking about what we want to do to each other. <laughs> it was like, yeah. How did that like go from sexting to then all of a sudden re- going to me in person or go on a date? Or I was nervous. I was nervous when I went and met him because again, like I feel like we had shared like these like intimate things and then I hadn't even met him in real life. But, you know, we met at a coffee shop and um, the, he was cute. The conversation was flowing and like, it just felt, it just felt totally fine and normal and it was great. And so I feel like it wasn't like, once I actually met him in real life, there wasn't like that pressure, that anxiety that I, that I had before meeting him. It was really fun. And we had so did, a great time. Did things hit like after that initial meet, did you feel like you hit it off? Like it was something where you were like, okay, yeah. Like I want this to be, I'm going to, I'm going to date him. I'm going to commit. Cause you had initially gone out thinking, you know, you would jump into a relationship and be serious. Did it feel good? Did it click? Um, this is what I realized when, when we had met, like once we started kind of like spending a, a lot of time together, I realized that I actually didn't want a relationship, but I also didn't want to date, like have, take the energy to date other people casually because I was in that transition period where I wasn't, I was living in Utah. I did not want to stay in Utah. I was planning on coming back to New York. And so all of my energy and focus was on making that happen and making that a reality. So I didn't want to spend the energy to be dating lots of other random people when I knew I wasn't going to be there long-term. So I like, I approached this dating scenario, this relationship with this guy, with this ghost that um, I approached it in such a way that we would basically get to spend, we would spend all our time together, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a committed thing. It was just this is something fun that we can do to pass the time. Yeah. Like casual, like while I'm here in Utah and you're here, let's just, let's do fun things together. Right. And And since this is also post-divorce, I mean, it's a transitional time, right? You're figuring it out. Did he feel, was he on board? Was it? Yeah. Like, so initially like he was like, yeah, like, you know, that sounds great. Like I know like you're going to be you're going to be leaving. You're not going to be here forever. So yeah, like let's, why not? Like let's, he's like, I like you. Let's just spend time together and enjoy each other while we're here. And then, you know, see what happens. And I realize that, um, the more, the longer we spent together, the more in love he fell with me. And I was coming after, like out, out of my divorce, I was very much like, I don't know if I could ever fall in love again. I legitimately didn't know if that was a thing I could do. And so I, in having been married, my relationship was very practical towards the end. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, butterflies and fluttery feelings and like love oozing all the time. It was like, oh no, like we enjoy each other's company and whatever. So I was coming at, a relationship from a very practical point of view and not so much the romantic side of it. Right. And so wait, I have a question. Okay. Where did it switch from like wanting to get married after you got divorced, that urgency mm-hmm. to want to be married again to then 
practicality? Was it more of like a, I'm scared to be alone. And then once you realize I'm fine being alone, then it was like, oh no, I enjoy this and I don't want to settle into something too soon. Like how did that all transition? Okay. So I think the trend, it transitioned when I was dating this ghost, like, because I realized I, what I thought I wanted, which was a relationship is what I thought actually kind of being like in a pseudo relationship. I was like, Oh, actually, no, this isn't what I want. I think I was scared to be alone. And I thought that I needed to like jump into a relationship so I could jump into a marriage so I could have babies. That wow. was like, that was like my, my plan, my time frame because I, that's what I wanted at that mm-hmm. time. And, or at least it's what I thought I wanted, but then in right. actual practice, I didn't want to be in a relationship because I wasn't where I wanted to be. I wanted to be living in New York city. I didn't want to be living in Utah. So I didn't want to have ties and being with somebody who was like there, I didn't want that. I mean, that makes complete sense. And I feel like that's something that can be hard in a relationship because they're like, you said this and you're like, but I'm also a human being who's growing and learning and changing. So he was just like, as he saw you growing maybe further apart, he just wanted to keep holding on. Yes, he did. And like, and I don't blame him because again, I also, I don't know how to, I'm trying to think. I'm like, it's not like he was, um, it's not like he was like clingy or anything initially. It was just, he wanted to spend time with me and he was falling in love with me and I wasn't. I wasn't falling in love with him. I didn't fall in love with him. He, we did a lot of really fun things. We went on really great dates and I really appreciated so much of what um, our relationship was. We like, he took care of me in a way that I feel like I hadn't had in a dating aspect. Um, And it was really nice to be taken care of. And it was really nice to have somebody who wanted to spend all his time with me, that was, it made me feel good. And especially post-divorce, that felt like extra nice to have somebody doting on me. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like that can be a common thing when you are post-divorce finding somebody who has like the opposite qualities or maybe who is just filling a need where you felt like you weren't receiving it. Right. And, um, I know this sounds so bad and I'm going to say it, but it reminds me of the show younger and they talk about I love younger. the, the pancake, the first, Oh yes. The bad pancake, the bad pancake. He's cause it's true. It's like when you're out yeah. of a, a relationship that's serious and long and there's so much history, the next relationship that you, you jump into or find yourself in usually ends up being the first bad, like, you know, when you're doing pancakes, the bad pancake. Yeah, because when you're making they pancakes, the first one gets burned. And so that's yes. the bad pancake. And then it's like, okay, then the next ones are fine. You get you figure out the temperature. And that's totally, I feel like that's what it, sucks, it is. But it's true, yes. I've been people's bad ban- bad pancakes. Yep, yep. Oh and my gosh. I My friend has referred to it as a bridge. They are the bridge Ooh. relationship where they take you from where you were to where you want to go. But that doesn't mean that you stay on the bridge. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's a nice um, analogy, metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. So, and I, 
what's your takeaway from this? I mean, now that you're on the other side of the bridge, you didn't stay on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, you probably like, I mean, this sounds like a big transitional time. So what would you say your takeaway was? Oh, I mean, I feel like it did not end well and like how, how things went down. I feel like it didn't end well. And so my takeaway would have been like, I like looking back, I would say to myself that, um, end it sooner. And like, I learned so much from this relationship. I learned a lot about what I actually wanted. I learned a lot sexually. I learned, I learned so much about myself and I learned about what, what my partner should be. And so I'm not, I don't regret anything about, about that. I do. The ending was a little rough. So I would tell myself, end it sooner. Right. And I think that takes a lot to be able to tell yourself, like I should have been the one to end it sooner. Cause mm -hmm. like it would have maybe caused less heartache or I don't know. That's, that's huge. I think that's big of you. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's hard to identify. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm like, Oh geez. And I also like, I just really hope that, um, you know, I, I want, I want the best for this person. I, right. And it's not like you do these things on purpose and like, no, I've had these situations, right. It's everyone's intentionally harming. Yes. Yeah. You're figuring it out. And obviously you care about this person enough that it's like you want, you were, you know, enjoying time, but it's hard when you make your intentions clear, but they still don't listen to that. It's difficult because I like my intentions changed. And so I, you know, I can't fault him for, you know, I started out thinking like, I'm going to get married and this is what I'm going to do. Even though I also told him, you know, I was looking for, I told him I was looking for a relationship, but I also said, however, I'm also moving and I'm working on moving back. So like, this is just like a transitional kind of situation. So even though I said those words, what my actions implied were that I was that I was going to be there longer or like the longer I stayed, the longer it took me to get to New York, the harder it was to not be committed in this relationship. And so like, that wasn't, it wasn't fair on my part to him, but it wasn't intentional. I just didn't have a crystal ball. And I just, right. I just didn't have, I just, it took me longer to get my shit together than I thought. Which is, you're allowed that you're allowed that. <laughs> and it's hard, especially when the partner that you're with is not communicating necessarily that they're like their, their side of it, you know, mm -hmm. it's like you are communicating, but maybe they're, yeah, it's really, you, if only we had those crystal balls to tell us. <laughs> All right. So our last ghost, the ghost of not so distant past. This ghost is a hard one since it can be um, a sensitive one when it's recent, it's fresh, and we're still processing these feelings. So again, mm -hmm. like we said before, um, these ghosts, especially this one, of not so distant past, it's from one side of the story, one perspective, but it, it's real. And I think we're all learning as we as we share. Yeah. So this one, like you just said, it is, it's the most recent. We knew each other in school, like growing up and we reconnected after, you know, being divorced. And that's, that's kind of, anyway, so that's, that's how we reconnected. It was after the divorce, mutual friends, 
And we had a lot of really great in-depth conversations and we learned like so much about, you know, our, our lives that we missed, because again, like we, it's not like we always stayed in touch. Like it was a reconnection. So wait, when you say that you both, you both were coming out of a divorce and you mm-hmm. both kind of were almost having a similar place of growing up Mormon. Yes. Leaving and then post divorce. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we had both. So you had a divorced. lot in common. We had a lot in common. Um, and it was just really fun to, to talk to somebody and connect with somebody on that level who understands the background, which is, it was really nice after, um, after having that transition period of dating people in New York city, where I, like, I had to explain myself and my Mormonism a lot. And so it's, it's nice to not have to explain that to have somebody to have dated somebody who understood that. Okay. Completely. Yeah. Like, so that aspect was really nice. Common playing ground, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So how, how long did you date this, um, this ghost? So this one was about two and a half years, which is, I mean, that's, it's a long time. It was a long, it was a long-term relationship. Initially, it, I feel like I still struggled with committing and I wasn't, I wasn't really ready to jump into any sort of committed relationship, but I also really, really liked him and liked spending time with him. And he was, he was kind of pushing for committing and, and he was calling me out on being scared and to just, just fucking do it. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, And it's hard when it's like, well, we're checking off all these boxes. We're checking off that we get along. We laugh. We, mm-hmm. you know, if you have these things in common and then if like, I don't know if intimacy is good too. It's like, heck, why not? Like, why would I say no? Right. Like we had a really strong sexual connection and honestly, like it was amazing. It was so, it was so great. And that's something that I was like, okay, like this is great. Why wouldn't I want to have this? Why wouldn't I want this to be a part of my relationship? Like who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a great sexual connection? Exactly. And especially where it's like, you know, in the past, like we grow up not having sex before or marriage or before commitment. Mm-hmm. So then being able to like, oh, I can try this on and see if we're compatible. And we are, oh, this yeah. makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and that compatibility is, it's a big deal. And it's honestly what held our relationship together for as long as it did. I think that's huge. I mean, I remember seeing this triangle in a psychology book where it's like, you have to have two of these three things. And it was, um, like space, like you're in the same space. Um, and then like communication and intimacy, like sexual yeah. intimacy. It's mm-hmm. like, if you don't have at least two of those things, you're it's not going to work. It's really difficult. Yeah. To make it work. That is, yeah, that's very interesting. So with these two years, was this spent in Utah or was this spent in New York? How did that, like, where did you guys spend your time? Yeah. So that's a great question. It was, um, both. So we spent, we spent the first portion in Utah and then the rest of the relationship was in New York and being in Utah and having this relationship was kind of a big deal because I moved in with him. And like, so like my family was aware that I was living with my boyfriend and 
which was so scary. It was so scary to, to do that and to like have that be known and to make that step. Like that was such a big deal. And I think that was like the biggest level of commitment that I, like, it was so scary, but I did it. And I feel like we, our relationship, um, was better because of it. Um, that's awesome. Living authentically and letting your family know. And I mean, props to your family for being accepting. Yes. They, I mean, bless them. They were very like kind and like hope they were hopeful that I was happy. And they were just like, you know, you just gotta, you gotta live your life. But also like, I know that my mom was definitely like worried and was like scandalized a little bit that I was living in sin, living in sin. (laughs) So I feel like we did that for half a year. And then I, the plan was always that I was coming back to New York. I had taken a hiatus again, which it's so funny. Cause I feel like so many of my stories, I've like had a hiatus and I was like, not where I wasn't going to be. And yet there I was having this relationship. I was taking, um, a moment to help, um, with some family things back home. And that is when this relationship happened, when it started. And the plan was to always come back to New York. So as soon as I could make that happen, then I was like, great, I'm going back to New York. I already had an apartment. I already had friends there. I have my communities is here in New York. Like that's- like I, you're established. Yeah, like I am established. This was always the plan. I love it here. And so this ghost came with me and which was exciting because he'd always wanted to live in New York and, you know, experience the city. And I remember it is fun. I remember him being like, I don't know why people are always so worried about moving to New York. Like this was so easy. And I just like looked him dead in the eye and I was like, you have no fucking idea how easy this is for you. Because like, (laughs) I had to like work my way like up in the world in New York and like find my own friends, like find a community, find apartments, like learn the streets, learn how the subway worked. I had to do all of that. Right. And he has the luxury of having a place already set for him. And he's going into the city with a companion that knows that's, that that is nice. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. I paved the way for you to like have an (laughs) experience. (laughs) Living in a good neighborhood too, nonetheless. Oh, uh, yeah, we were on the Upper West Side. Um, it was such a great spot. I loved yes. that apartment. <laughs> I miss it sometimes. It's fine. <laughs> so that's really nice of you. I mean, like, I mean, can I, I would be your boyfriend and be like, hey, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and- so was it good? How, like, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, living together for the first time. Yeah. I'm sure it had its challenges. Yes, it did. It did have its challenges. I feel like um, having already been established in the city, it was very challenging to have somebody come in and then share what I had. So to share my apartment, to share my friends, like that was hard for me to, to do and for him to not be established already because like that, you know, like that was just like an extra layer that I didn't anticipate And also when he came to New York with me, it was very much like, oh, like I already have this really great room. So, you know, don't worry about it. Like you can focus on spending your money somewhere else. That's what it was. Like, I was like, oh, I'm already, I'm already paying for it. So like, whatever. But I feel like that kind of, um, 
later on in our relationship that came back to like bite me in the ass because I then kind of took on this, this role of like, I was paying for the housing and that was a struggle. And that's, and that's not sustainable for a long time. Like, I mean, and it's hard cause you're like, of course I want to help you, but wait a yeah. minute, we didn't, I can't do this forever. Right. And it was something, it was just something that like, we didn't talk about it again. So we didn't communicate well about like how this went down or like what my expectations were or, and I know like, honestly, like it's not, I'm not, it's not all on him. Like it's the relationship works both ways. And I didn't communicate that that was something that I needed to have more of a balance. I think that's a very, this sounds like a Mormon thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. you just assume that the best and you assume that they know. So you're like the Mormon way is like, you're going to help and provide and support your, you know, so of course you're going to offer, but it's hard when you don't know when to stop or when to put up that boundary. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like for this relationship, it was, for him, he, like, as soon as he told me that he loved me, he was all in and it was as if we were married. That is how he felt. And I was not. And again, like the committing was really hard for me. And I feel like I made big steps and like, he pushed me and like helped me to, you know, make those steps and like leap into the unknown and to try new things. And it was like, that was really scary, but like I did it. However, I, my level of commitment, like we were not married, like as Much as he wanted to think that and act like we were married, we were not married. And so to me, that's a difference. Right. You had two different definitions of what a relationship consists of. His was, it should model marriage and yours is more casual. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I was committed, but it was like. Right. But it was within the. We're not together forever. Right. Well, yeah. Then the Mormon term. Yeah. Like we were still dating. We were not married. And so it was kind of like when I was married, like. I merged our finances, like whatever. But like in the dating, I was like, no, like my finances are mine and yours are yours. Yes. That was hard because I think in his mind, that didn't make sense. He's like, well, we're already like, we're together. So like, why, why not just have everything be together? That's a tough one. So how did you go about that? Was it never discussed? Was it one of those things that it's just like, we'll figure it out eventually, hopefully? I mean, we, we had a few conversations about it eventually. Um, and I feel like made some progress in that regard, but I, and again, it was just, it was just one of those things that I didn't anticipate. Had, right. Like, you know, I just didn't know and I didn't anticipate. And then the communication wasn't great until later on. So yeah, that's, and I can see how that could be like a huge, um, weight in the relationship to carry for both of you. If it's like not communicating about these these huge things with the relationship and being in New York and having, you know, maybe unbalanced responsibilities. How did it end or what led to it? I guess, is there, was there like an initial aha moment? I think that there were a very, there were a few small moments like throughout and it was just kind of, just kind of there, but I was still very much like committed and like we were in this, but I was also like, I don't, I don't know how to make it be a relationship that I want it to be or that I would want for myself or for him. And I just feel like what we were kept trying wasn't working. And it was just, it just felt like so much of a struggle. And then the pandemic hit and it, that just, 
made everything so much more intense. And especially being in New York City in the epicenter of all of the shit was so hard. It was so hard. I can't even like, there aren't enough, there are not enough words to describe how rough that was. And we were in our tiny apartment without being able to go outside for like, especially in the beginning, like we didn't know, like we couldn't, we weren't going outside for even for walks until eventually they're like, no, like you can still go outside for walks, but you just can't be by anybody. And I was like, how do you not be by anybody in New York city? Like, right. It was just this whole, it was this whole thing. And so we weren't even initially going for walks and it was so hard and it was so much stress and anxiety for the world and what was happening outside the door and also like stress and anxiety of being stuck in an apartment with my boyfriend and like, and him for with being stuck with me and having no other contact with any other humans. It was really stressful. And no privacy. It sounds like no privacy, They're none whatsoever. with each other <laughs> all day and all night. There was you know, like, because it's, we sleep in the same bed and we sit on the same couch during the day. And even if one of us is sitting on the couch and somebody's sitting on the bed, we're in a studio. There was, I, it's just right here. Like it was just all right here. The only door that I have in my apartment is the door to the bathroom and you can still hear everything. So <laughs> it's like, it was, it, it was really hard for me, especially because I, um, I've learned that I, need to be an independent partner and need to have my alone time. And I need to have that time with my own friends and doing my own thing. And I just feel like during the pandemic, I didn't get that. Yeah. At all. That's really rough. I can't. Yeah. So when there was that time where you could finally realize you got, did it, do you feel like that was like a relief? Like you were able to, things got maybe a little better. When we could go out. Yeah. Like it was like, maybe this is going to be okay. It was. Yeah. And we also like, we had that conversation about like about alone time because, you know, I feel like I have a tendency to be, um, to become a caregiver and to slip into that mode. That is very easy for me to do, especially with my career choice. It's very easy because of that. I feel like I enable codependency and I, so it's very easy. It's very easy for me. And we had a conversation about how we needed to have alone time. And it was just kind of this moment where we were both like, I was like, I am desperately in need of alone time. And he was like, I didn't realize that we could ask for alone time because I, you know, that in my past, that was like, oh, that means the relationship is bad if we need alone time. And I was like, no, if we have alone time, our relationship will be better. (laughs) So... It was like something we desperately needed. No, yeah. I think that's a that's huge. A lot of people, um, when I was in therapy, talk about like, you know, a relationship shouldn't be two circles that are overlapping. It should be two circles that are side by side, mm-hmm. um, who are independent in their own way, but can then still, you know, come together. That's huge. So if you were to say like, what's something that you took away from this most recent thing, or what's the thing that you're still learning from or growing into the life lesson, what would that be? I think that I, um, I'm still learning a lot and still processing a lot of this relationship because again, it was so recent and I feel like it was, 
and, and I feel like that because of the pandemic, there was a lot of like trauma <laughs> around it. Um, I feel like I'm learning to trust my instincts again. I'm also learning to speak up and to say things like I need alone time and I, I need this for me and I really want to be an independent person. And that's very important to me. Like, and, and to not be seen as a threat in a relationship because I want to be independent, but to see it as like, oh, you want to be independent? Awesome. I want to be independent. Let's be independent together. Like, yeah, I don't. That's huge. Okay. I have a big question. Okay. You could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice in terms of dating relationships, all of that. What would that piece of advice be? For all of the ghosts? Or just in general, any in general, in general, yeah, in general. Okay, or if you have a specific for a certain (laughs) ghost, you can tell me that one too. In general, if I could go back and give myself, you know, some advice, it would be to trust my instincts and to focus on what I need, and not in a selfish way, but in something like, what do I need to learn and grow from this scenario? What do I need? to be happy. What do I need to be the best version of myself? And I feel like often we need to trust ourselves. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. Is there one that is specific to a certain ghost? Like a a piece of advice that you would tell yourself to a specific (laughs) relationship? Um, I feel like most of these, most of the specific relationships, I would probably say ended earlier, like, and (laughs) with, with a lot, not even like, not even just the ones we talked about, but a lot of my relationships, I feel like I would say, don't drag it out. End it when you know, when you know, you know, when you know, you know, (laughs) cut it out. (laughs) One other piece of advice that I would give to myself or give to others is just because you love somebody doesn't mean that it's going to work out. It doesn't mean that you have to stay with them and it doesn't mean that you have to do everything for them. So even if you love somebody, there are still plenty of scenarios in which the relationship doesn't work. A hundred percent. I think that's huge. Okay. Last question for you. Okay. Now that you've had like this experience in post-Mormon or in Mormonism um, and obviously COVID pandemic world aside, um, how have these experiences changed or shaped how you go about dating right now or how you want to date in the future? It's changed a lot about what I am looking towards in the future. Like right now, I am very much focusing on um, healing myself and, you know, talking to a therapist and working through things that I didn't realize I needed to work on before jumping into another relationship. I think that that is, um, it's important. And I haven't really done that before, before now. And I feel like the pandemic actually kind of gives like a really great excuse and reason to do that is take the time for your mental health because holy shit, what a fucking year this has been. Um, like, it's been a really rough year. And so now, like, if not now to take the time for yourself and for your mental health, like when? Right. 
And it's so like that saying where they're like, if you can't love and appreciate yourself and enjoy your, who you are when you're alone, then how can you, you know, love and care for another person and be there for them in a relationship? Absolutely. And I feel like I, because of the experiences that I've had, I am actually very content to be alone right now and to like be by myself and to like do my own thing and buy what I want. And, you know, I don't have to (laughs) consult anybody about my design choices. I can just do it. And it feels amazing to be in charge of my own life. Yes. I love that. And I think it's like interesting to hear this um, journey and to see how it shaped you from like the beginning all the way to now. I mean, even just as I know you, you are a lot like you're strong, independent, uh, very communicative person. And I admire that. Thank you. It's been a journey. (laughs) Of course. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any stories or thoughts about what we have discussed or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to pop over to our Instagram, this post Mormon life and send us a DM. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and don't forget to tune in to part two, Hi Sue's Ghost of Boyfriend's Past.